anybody could get the uh, easy access out from your row, get to the back, uh, there's a cart back there, and there's a box of pens. Keep going around the corner, Stephanie, if that's you. <laughs> uh, box of pens and a box with some notes in it. Um, thanks. Pass those out. So last time we met, I had just come back from this and uh, was feeling very refreshed and relaxed and ready to go. Uh, Sarah Kate and I went to Tucson. That's up on a mountain. I, I took this picture with my phone and sunset, and I just thought it was really beautiful uh, picture of just God's glory. Um, and so in light of like that space and freedom and relaxation uh, and being ready to go, I think um, last time your notes that I gave you uh, were a little bit too ambitious of me, uh, and so I apologize for all the blanks that you had to fill in. Um, so we're going to kind of go back to this place and relax and not have to fill in so much tonight. Um, so uh, you hopefully can follow along with what's actually being talked about a little better than just writing. Um, I heard this from several of you, by the way. Thank you. I pre appreciate the feedback. It started with Jacob uh, on the way home. Uh, I said, did you get anything out of the sermon tonight, Jacob? And he said, well, yeah, it was kind of hard to write everything, though. And I said, oh, okay. So then uh, several others chimed in on that, so I knew that. That was a little bit too much, so sorry about that. Um, so we'll hopefully uh, be able to to uh, to track and uh, no loud snoring this week. Okay, all right, all right. Um, let me review real quick uh, where we were in case you weren't here two weeks ago. We weren't here last week at all. Uh, we did various things, um, watch a football game, and eat lots of good food, uh, that kind of thing. So we weren't here last week. Uh, but two weeks ago, we started this study called uh, Following Jesus Together. Um, it's taken from a workbook called Experiencing God. Uh, I have a couple more back there on that cart. If you're interested in working through the workbook, uh, there's also a shorter version of it called The Seven Realities of Experiencing God, is that it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's much shorter. It just hits on every, uh, there's seven realities, and we'll talk about that in a second, but uh, it just hits on every one of those instead of the extra stuff. So uh, you might want to do that one. There's also a student, a youth version of it uh, that looks a little cooler, but it has all the basic, uh, same basic information in it. So I'm kind of taking all that. It's a workbook that you, you, workbook, you work through uh, uh, daily, uh, five days a week. And I'm trying to condense all that into what we're doing here. Uh, we sent out an email on Thursdays. Hopefully you read that and have been meditating, thinking about, memorizing uh, the Scripture verse and, and kind of pondering some of the questions that were presented as we're leading up to today and then into uh, kind of the culmination of our week on this particular theme uh, on Wednesday night in our small groups. So uh, there'll be another email that goes out tomorrow uh, that Aaron and I will put together for you and, uh, and for com group leaders. So just kind of trying to bring it all together in what we're talking about. Uh, we basically, two weeks ago was kind of an overview, but it got into the first reality 
Tonight will be a little bit more of that in that first reality. So we haven't moved on to the second reality yet, just in case you're wondering or scoring at home there. Uh, a goals for our study in uh, following Jesus together. Uh, to know when Jesus is speaking to us, to identify his activity in our lives, to understand who he says he is and that he is faithful to, in his promises to us, and then to adjust our beliefs, our character, and our behavior to him, to recognize uh, his direct, the direction he is taking our life and identify what he wants to do through us, to know what we need to do in response, and to experience Jesus doing through us what only he can do. It's an ambitious set of goals that we have for this study throughout the spring. Uh, there'll be several weeks of this study. We'll take off during uh, once a month to, to have share and, and prayer time together. Uh, but that's kind of where we're headed and what we're hoping and praying. God will do in us. God will reveal to us. God will grow in us to, to make us all uh, as his followers, uh, uh, closer to his heart, closer to his activity, and, uh, and then collectively as we bring that together as a church that we would be able to hear his voice and respond to him however he chooses to speak and uh, call us and invite us into his work. Uh, we said that uh, based on John 15, 5, that we can't do this by ourselves. This isn't something we can just go through a workbook, go through uh, some, some good information and say it's just going to happen. If the Spirit doesn't show up, if, if God's Holy Spirit doesn't land on us as individuals and move us in this and speak to us and reveal himself to us, then it's all for naught. We, we have to rely on that. And, and we call on him, and we ask him to do that in our midst. Um, another thing that we said that was important last week is we have, we have to be careful to, to check our experiences, the way that we're like interpreting how God's moving in our life uh, against what we know to be true of God in Scripture. So as the Holy Spirit speaks, we're, uh, we're, we're kind of bringing that together and syncing it up with Scripture in a way that uh, we're informed by the truth of Scripture. We're not saying this is what Scripture should mean based on how we feel about it or what we want to happen. So we're, we're getting that, that truth uh, from the, the Holy Spirit in conjunction with the Scripture. Okay, so seven realities, um, John 15, 5 says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, that word abides, to stay with. Just to, uh, so we're called to just be with the Spirit. Uh, and, and I in him, which we know he is, and he sealed that in us uh, for all eternity. He it is that bears much fruit. We want to be a people who do the things that, that God cares about, that we're, we're bearing fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. All right, so there's a little graphic for uh, the seven realities of following Jesus. Um, it was on your notes a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think I included the, the seven points in there uh, on, on what you have today. But God is always at work around us. So we start off uh, just it, God's already working, like before, during, and after any of us. Like God's at work. And he's doing something. And then he pursues through Jesus this relationship with us, this love relationship that he wants to have with us that's, that's real and that's personal. And then out of that, 
through the Holy Spirit, he begins to invite us to join him in what he's doing, in his work. And the way that he does that is he speaks to us, and he tells us what he's doing, and he tells us what he wants us to do. Uh, his invitation uh, comes to us through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, and through the church as he shows us himself, as he shows us his purpose, and as he shows us his way. And then he issues this invitation. Once that's done, once he says, okay, this is what I'm doing, this is what I want, uh, this, here's, here's my invitation. Will you join me in this work uh, to bring uh, about whatever it is that he wants to bring about on this earth? We, he's chosen us to do that. I don't know why, but he has. Uh, and, and out of this love relationship, we get to partner with God on this earth to do his good works, to do his will. But when he issues this invitation, based on where we are all the time, it's going to bring us to this point that we can call a crisis of belief. Like, are we really going to believe that God wants us to do that? Are we going to really believe that he is faithful, that he can use us, that he will use us in this, and this is what I'm supposed to do? And so we, we're, we're, we're left at this kind of this precipice, uh, uh, this state of liminality that we have to decide, am I going to do that? Am I really going to follow Jesus, or am I going to stay where I am? Because at that point, we can't. We can't follow Jesus and stay where we are. That's the crisis of belief. Um, and so uh, point six, or, or, or where we end up, is that we've got to make some adjustments uh, in our life in order to follow him. And then when we do that, when, we, when we're willing to make those adjustments and get in line with what he's doing, uh, we will get closer to Jesus. We will experience the Lord as we obey him and as he works through us in this world uh, in a way that we never would have before. And you may, you may go through this process over and over again in your life, and, and we, we should and we will as, as we follow Jesus. There'll be something, again, he'll take us to a new plateau, uh, and, and we'll kind of work there and, and, and enjoy him in that place. And then he'll say, I want you to go here. And we have that all over again. Ah, I like it here. I'm comfortable here. Are you sure, God? I don't know. Uh, but if we really want to follow him, we adjust and we go there and then we experience him in a whole new way. And, and sometimes this comes with a little bit more like force from God. Sometimes it's quiet and, and he's just like, hey, take it or leave it. You know, this is what I have for you. Do you really, do you really want more of me or not? Um, so the question that we have today as we get into this a little bit more uh, is, am I living out my story the way I think things ought to go, uh, the things that I want to achieve on this earth, or am I living in God's story? Are you, am I, are we living out our story? We're the ones kind of writing it, we're the ones kind of scripting it, or are we, have we set that aside and, and, and have, we, have we chosen to truly live in God's story? Uh, we're, we're not the star. We're a role player uh, in that story. I remember as uh, a college student about 25 years ago, um, like it was yesterday, uh, 
God speaking to me in a way that uh, he's only done a few times with such clarity to call me out of my story that I was clearly trying to script and summon me to be a part of, of his story, or at least leave me with the, um, was uh, to make that decision. And uh, it, was, uh, it was so clear, I couldn't deny it, and I knew that he was right, and I knew that there was something better for me, that, that the evidence of what I was trying to do uh, to make myself happy uh, during that time of rebellion, I was already a, a, a Christian, I believe, um, but I certainly wasn't living like it. And basically he said, hey, uh, if you are, then this is what that story looks like, and it doesn't look like what you're living. And so I had to make that adjustment in order to follow Jesus at that point. Many of you have been in those similar kind of places um, where you know that God's spoken to you about that kind of thing and, and brought you out of uh, maybe you remember it as your point of salvation where that he first kind of landed on you and said, this is, uh, this is the sin in your life. This is the, the rebellion that you have, have lived in against me. And I, uh, through the power of Christ, have something more from you. And he called you out of that darkness and you responded. Uh, so uh, as we seek to continue to live in that, what does that look like for us? Because it's not just, I can't just... I'm so awesome, like I chose to follow you, right? Like, uh, and, and no, he's, he's doing something new every day. We have to make that decision. And so I think it's good for us to kind of step back and do some self-diagnosis or not completely self. I mean, we should allow the Spirit to, to definitely speak into this as we do. But um, as we ask ourselves, what is our primary story? What is the primary story that we're living out right now? Um, versus the lesser stories of our life. Um, uh, we want to try to make his story our primary story, but I think it's good for us to, to really evaluate, is that true? And so for the next uh, few minutes, I really want you to take off your Jesus caps and just be you know, completely honest with some of these questions uh, as you let the Spirit just kind of ask this of you in, in your heart. And maybe you want to take some notes and, and jot this down uh, as far as how he may be speaking to you about it. But uh, what, um, what I want to do is give you uh, just some basically some, some diagnostic questions. Uh, I got these from a guy named Trevin Wax. He uh, blogs and uh, he, he's been talking a lot about uh, our primary story and what that looks like and how we can live into God's story. So, uh, whose story is it? So, here's the six questions, I believe. Yeah. Um, if someone close to you were to ask you to take 10 minutes right now to talk about the last 10 years of your life, how would you tell your story? Now, for some of you, 10 years may be a lot. Um, if you're in your 20s, maybe let's just rewind five years. Uh, what does your story look like? If you're uh, a, a teenager or uh, a kid, you may just like want to look back at the last year and, and see how that is dictating uh, your life story. The key here is to see where your mind runs first. Where did your mind go with this? What would be the drama that takes up most of that narrative for the past 10, 5, 1 years? 
how would you tell your story? Don't try to over-spiritualize it. I mean, just let it be what it is, what comes to your mind first. Okay? So in telling your story, what constitutes a step forward and a step back in that story? What, what were the, the things that kind of moved it along, that, that like fed into the success of that story? Or what were the things that, that kind of kept you back, that, that caused problems in, in the story along the way? Um, kind of helps you see your plot points throughout your story um, and how you view your story. These forward steps or backward steps kind of reveal the, the narrative drama of our primary story. We have some time to think. Uh, where does your mind typically run to? Where does it go? This helps you diagnose where, uh, what story is kind of on you, like what, what's ever present in your life, in your thoughts and in your attitudes. Now, you may be getting some different kind of stories going on. That's fine. We have a lot of stories. Kind of looking for something to emerge. It's like, what, is, what has been the primary story of my last 10 years? Kind of served to illuminate uh, the dramatic tension that we sense as we look ahead to what's next, to what the next chapter of our life story is going to look like. So our hopes and our fears can bring, shed some light on that. What are your three biggest hopes, three biggest fears about the future? Okay, what group of people is most important to you in fulfilling these hopes or avoiding these fears? Uh, we don't fall captive to these lesser stories in our life uh, and, and get moved away from Scripture or get pointed back to uh, the God's story um, on our own. Uh, we have community of some sort, whether it's this one or something else that feeds into us, some other group of people that we associate uh, most closely with that is either going to help us along and accomplish these uh, things that we're hopeful for, or it's going to hinder us in moving there, uh, and it could be uh, a source of those fears. The group in which you find your deepest sense of belong belonging can shine more light on the primary story you live by. That's why biblical community is so important. That's why it has to be our primary source of uh, this interjection into our life to, to move this story along. And, and we don't even experience this story apart from it because we are by nature saved in, at the very least, it's got to be our story with God, but it's really God's story, and he's allowing us, he wants us to experience it together. Uh, and then that's what shapes our individual story. But we're so selfish by nature, sin nature, that we start with us, and then we kind of bring it to the body of Christ. And, and, and it's really flipped in, in God's economy. We, 
this, just like Scripture dictates truth, this group uh, should, biblically speaking, uh, I'm not saying it always does, or I'm not saying it dictate our story in a way that, that uh, apart from it, can't and isn't meant to be as we follow Jesus together. And then finally, what do I value most in my life? What is the difference between what I say I value and the way I spend my time? So a couple of good questions there. Um, here's where we look for the discrepancies between what we say we believe and what we actually live out, what we actually do. What I value most in my life. And then what is the difference between what I say I value and what I, I mean, look at my finances or look at my uh, calendar. Uh, how do those things represent what I really value in life? And perhaps there's adjustments that need to be made there. So all this is trying to help us to be realistic about what kind of story we're living out right now and then make whatever adjustments we need to. Uh, we, we, we really need to flip a switch on who we are. Uh, and going back to what we talked about um, a lot of last year that, that God had for us in Ephesians on our identity being in Christ is so key because we tend to think of ourselves, and our culture uh, helps us along in this as we think, uh, think in terms of what we do, uh, um, that, that we're, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's, there's some of you that, that think of yourselves uh, as a mom who follows Jesus. And the, the truth is that you're a Jesus follower who happens to be a mom. And that's a subtle difference in words, but a huge difference in the reality of how we live out our lives. Jesus follows to be who follows Jesus a student. You're not a business owner or a manager or an employee who follows Jesus. You're a Jesus follower who happens to function in those roles and on and on and on. We have to see ourselves in that primary story. Another way to look at it is who is at the center of this story? So are we self-centered or God-centered people? Uh, do we rely on ourselves or do we rely on Jesus and what he can do? Uh, when we, when we live self-centered lives, which is, by the way, at, that, that is sin. That is, that is the, at the heart of, of what sin is, to, to live a self-centered life. And so we are, we are God, basically, in that uh, scenario. And when we, when we position ourselves that way, uh, we are proud of, of who we are, uh, are proud of our accomplishments, um, instead of being humbled by the, the fact that we know that anything that good is, that's in us comes from God. And anything that, that's being produced in, uh, through us or by us is because of God's grace. If we're self-centered, we tend to want to affirm ourselves a lot and even indulge ourselves. We feed ourselves uh, literally and figuratively. Uh, we, we pay a lot of attention to our needs and ourself, instead of what the Bible calls us to do, what Jesus called us to do, is to de deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow him, uh, to live a God-centered life. A, a self-centered life seeks acceptance from the world uh, around us, instead of seeking first the kingdom of God. 
A self-centered life, life tends to uh, have a worldly view of circumstance, uh, the circumstances around us. Like we will look to science um, to explain things. Uh, we will look to culture to inform us. We will look to our peers to uh, take our cues from as, as far as how we're supposed to live instead of um, looking to, uh, to have God's perspective on the, the circumstances of our life. That may include some of that stuff for sure, but, uh, but it certainly doesn't begin or end with that. And then finally, uh, when we choose a self-centered life, we choose an ordinary life. Uh, this is the life that doesn't have any power, that doesn't have any need for God, and it results in just an ordinary, typical life with maybe some uh, basic fruit uh, at, at best, but certainly no power, no connection to the Lord, uh, that the holy life that we're called to live, that we're conse- consecrated to God, that we're set apart by the blood of Jesus for the abundant life that he wants for us. Uh, and and he, he indwells us with the power of his Holy Spirit to have. John 12, 24 says, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves will keep it loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Those are Jesus's words. So who is at the center of your story? Who is at the center of my story? Who is at the center of our story as a church? If we're serious about following Jesus, then we must choose to deny ourselves, to die to ourselves, to put God at the center of our life. And we must focus our attention on what God is doing and not on our plans. We get so caught up in what our plans are and, and, and trying to make those things happen, but we, we miss what God is doing and that, that might render those plans pointless to begin with. So uh, we, we just kind of waste our time in, in many ways when we don't keep God at the center and keep this in focus. We've got to look at our world through his lens, in other words. We've got to patiently wait on him to reveal his plan. He doesn't always do it just right when we want it, okay? We've got, to, we've got to exercise patience in him revealing it to us. And then we have to actively respond when he does issue that invitation to join him in his work. Why don't we do that? I mean, why, I mean that's just not, it doesn't come natural. Uh, instead of it taking just a, a few days to get where God wanted him to go, it took him 40 years. Uh, Brian talked about this at the beginning of our year this year. Uh, look at Psalm 81. Uh, He says, I'm the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. God does that with us, by the way. God gives us over to our stubborn hearts. When he's saying, "Just, just come to me with your mouths open wide and I'll fill it. Why are you striving? Why are you laboring? This is what Jesus meant by that, that his burden was easy. Uh, to, if we would just uh, let him t- carry it for us. Uh, he wants to give us these good gifts. He wants us to be um, fulfilled in every way, the abundant life. Uh, but when we don't and when we say no, he's going to let us learn the hard way, unfortunately. 
Uh, and, and I can definitely testify to that in my own life. Uh, he goes on to say, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. The, the things that they wanted most, uh, if they would just turn to God, if they would just follow him, uh, that he was ready to give it to them. In Hebrews uh, chapter 3 uh, He says this, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. This is what he's talking about, uh, the Israelites. On the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. Could we say that? Could God say that about this generation today, about our culture today? As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ if we indeed if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did, not, did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. We, we, we miss God's will. We miss God's blessing because we don't believe, because we lack faith. We ought to instead, because of the evidence that we already have in, in Scripture laid out for us, much less the stories that we tell one another and the way that we've experienced God in our own life many times, we ought to be people who constantly expect God to be doing something in our midst. There ought to be this, this, this expectation that, that God's about to move. God's about to do something in my life, in my church, in my family, in this world. God has the right to interrupt our plans whenever he chooses. Don't miss that. God has the right to interrupt your plans I don't care what the plans are. They may be ministry plans. They may be really good things for someone else. It may not just be like inherently selfish kind of stuff. Whatever it is, God has the right to interrupt our plans and do something different. We always need to be ready for that. We ought to be willing and ready to adjust our life to whatever that thing is when he reveals it. And it's okay to remember that we can't do this. Like, we can't get, let, let the, the overwhelming idea that, that I'm incapable, that I'm not ready, uh, uh, cause us to not respond to God. Remember Philippians 2.13 told us that it, it's, it's God himself that even gives us the ability to follow him. And so just trust in that. If he wants you to do something, he's going to supply He's going to make it possible. And he may not do it right away. Let's make sure we understand that. Like when God calls you, he may not 
want you to do it right away. He just may want you to respond to that call. There may be a time period, and it may be a long time period, that he's got to get your character in line with what his activity, what his work is for you. So uh, just respond. Don't worry about getting all that together. It may take the rest of your life, really. I don't know. It may, it may be that he's ready to, to use you right then when he calls you. Uh, it, it may be a, a testing and a, and a waiting period uh, of, of working this out in you. Uh, be careful that when we get that, be careful that when we get a call from God or when we're searching for a call, maybe more importantly, say it this way, that when we're really looking to God, we want to know what he wants us to do, that we get things in the right order. Uh, and, and this is a tricky one. Uh, our minds and our hearts are deceitful. Our minds and our hearts are deceitful. If we're still aware of it, but uh, if that's what's taking place, uh, we want our plans, we want something to happen, um, that, that's self-centered, then it's very easy for us to confuse our desires with God's will. We can, we can create the narrative. I mean, we, because we're kind of like God in that. I mean, we can come up with the story. Like, we're creative by nature. That's what it means to be made in the image of God. We have that ability. So we can kind of think this and speak this and do this into action. And we can take things and make it fit. And, and, and we can take good things. We can take scripture and make it fit what we want to happen. We can take a conversation with a trusted Christian brother or sister and, 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 and make it happen uh, to, to fit what we want. Um, so be careful with that. Uh, just a, a little side note on that uh, of, of trying to hear from God. So how do we know when it's God speaking to us? Um, I'm going to skip that part and put that in the email uh, for, for time's sake. It's an important part. I want you to read that. There's some scripture that goes along with it. Um, that uh, and, and just know that the important part of, of that content is that we're not looking for a formula. Um, we're, we're looking for an intimate love relationship with him. And so in, in referencing that, uh, this is all the scripture, uh, it's a guy named George Meller. Um, he lived in the early 1800s. Uh, he's a happy-looking guy, right? <laughs> it's a great picture. I love that. Um, most old people, you know, just kind of don't look that happy. Uh, uh, he's following the Lord. Uh, um, he started um, uh, four orphanages in Bristol, England, uh, that ministered to over 10,000 kids uh, during uh, his lifetime. He also started 117 schools that ministered to 120,000 kids. He was one of the founders of the, uh, the Brethren Movement, um, the Plymouth Brethren Movement. But he was most known as a man of prayer. Uh, George Meller um, never asked for money for any of this stuff, um, whether it was starting it or keeping it going. He had determined with, uh, with the Lord that he was never going to publicly ask for anything. He prayed. He spent Time and prayer, and God delivered over and over again. Uh, some millions of dollars uh, in, in his lifetime that, that flowed through not only these ministries, but also uh, missionary efforts uh, that uh, one even helped uh, fund Hudson Taylor, the great, great missionary. Um, but 
uh, it said, and I don't know how you know you get this recorded, but maybe he kept a journal or something. But that, that during his lifetime, fifty thousand prayers were answered uh, of his. So he was a man of prayer, um, and and I want to give you like what what he said about seeking God. Again, not a formula, but something that might help you to uh, to to hear from God. The first thing he said was that I seek at the beginning to get my heart into such a state that it has no will of its own in regard to any given matter. He said that nine-tenths of the trouble with people uh, is generally is just here uh, in this place. That nine-tenths of the difficulties are overcome when our hearts are ready to do the Lord's will, whatever that may be. And when one is truly in this state, it is usually but a little way to the knowledge that his will is, that, that God's will is. If you're, just, you're almost there. If you can get yourself in this state where you're, you're, you're just emptied of, uh, of anything else but wanting to know uh, what God wants. And then secondly, he says uh, that having done this, I do not leave the result to feeling or simple impression. If so, I make myself liable to great delusions. His words. So it kind of goes back to that. Be careful, you know, uh, just about the feeling or, or what you're trying to, to, uh, to make happen. Thirdly, he said uh, that I seek the will of the Spirit of God through or in connection with the Word of God. The Spirit and the Word must be combined. If I look to the Spirit alone without the Word, I lay myself open to great delusions also. If the Holy Ghost guides us at all, he will do it in according to the scriptures and never contrary to them. So good word uh, related to what we talked about earlier. And then fourth, he says, next I take into account providential circumstances. These, are oft, these often plainly indicate God's will in connection with his word and his spirit. Fifth, I ask God in prayer to reveal, reveal his will to me aright. And sixth, thus through prayer to God, the study of the word and reflection, I come to a deliberate judgment according to the best of my ability and knowledge. And if my mind is thus at peace and continues, and this, I, I really like this part because uh, he's not rushing it again. If it's thus at peace and continues so after two or three more petitions, I proceed accordingly. In trivial matters and in transactions involving the most important issues, I found this method always effective. So, is that something that we do when we seek to know what God's up to? Is, is something similar to that? Again, no formula, but definitely spending time with God. Are we listening to God? Do we desire to follow Jesus more than anything else so that we die to ourselves every day? Through prayer, Scripture in the church, primary areas that we kind of go to, 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 to hear from God. Uh, and then uh, going back to Trevin Wax, uh, he, he adds this one uh, to that list of, of things that we can go to to hear from God, uh, and he calls it um, subversive habits. Um, we need to incorporate into our general spiritual disciplines a counterformer counterformative element, something deliberately intended to subvert the lesser stories we are tempted to live by. Incorporate into our general spiritual disciplines, prayer, worship, church, um, scripture reading, uh, 
what would be like some subversive habits that we could, could mix in with those things so that uh, they would inform the, uh, the, the real story that we're after and, and counter-inform the lesser stories of our life? What practices or habits would have that effect of lifting up the scriptural story while demoting these lesser stories? Maybe it's you focus on a, a memorized scripture throughout the day that uh, hits at the, the lesser story of your life. Maybe you uh, put prayer reminders on your phone uh, so that you are, are praying at certain times throughout the day. Maybe you put limits on your phone to social media uh, so that uh, you can't uh, or, or won't or, or something that triggers you to, to say, no, I'm not going to look at my phone first. I'm going to pray first thing in the morning or read some scripture. Uh, having scheduled uh, some intentional spiritual conversations with others, Uh, praying for your enemies rather than just praying for the things that that come to mind, Uh, uh, and then service in various forms uh, to others. Our our scripture for the week is that uh, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in what? The name of the Lord, our God. We can trust because we know that he loves us. We know that he loves us because he sent Jesus to defeat the power of sin over us. And we're going to celebrate that in communion right now. Uh, So if you're a server, uh, it's back here in this little kitchen and you can go grab that and we're going to worship some more. Um, And we know that our story takes its proper place in his story of creation his story of love, his story of redemption, his story of eternal glory. Nick's going to come and lead us in our communion time.